Hey, I'm Kyle. I'm Dave. And I'm Brad. And this is So What Podcast from Theology in the Middle. So guys, we're back. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been Dude, a while. What y'all been up to these days? Same old, same old? No, uh, I got a kid. Adopted a, a little girl. You know, back when we were recording, like over three years ago now, we started the, the adoption process. And uh, like by God's grace and his favor, we finally got uh, a six-day-old uh, little baby girl. So, so we, cool. we've been pretty oh, busy. You, you guys know what that's like, right? Yeah. What about you, Dave? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out what I've been up to. <laughs> I think last time I talked to you on this podcast, you were going to seminary in Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. I, from there, I lived in Alabama, Texas, and now I'm in the state of Washington, uh, pastoring a beautiful, quaint church of some godly people in a town of 2,000 people. <laughs> so... Nice. Just your town's living. so small. I'm I'm in this place with 5,500 people. Dude, your town is in, huge compared to mine. <laughs> in Central Texas, yeah. <laughs> so we're kidding, all spread awesome. out, and lots happened in the past few years. Uh, why are we doing this podcast again? You know, I was thinking about that myself this week, and uh, really trying to process it. And you know, I was thinking back to the reason why I stopped being on the podcast to begin with, and. You know, I was going through a lot. I was on staff at a church in Houston and busy with newborn kids. And I just really felt like I didn't have a lot to say. You know, that um, I was just a normal guy trying to be a faithful pastor and, and husband and dad. And there were plenty of other people out there with podcasts, um, you know, helping people figure out theology and ministry and the Christian life. And uh, I just felt like I didn't have anything to say. And in that regard, uh, not much has changed at all. Uh, I still feel that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still feel like I've got nothing to say. I mean, I'm in a different place. My kids are older, but uh, but I'm still the same guy, you know. And um, because of that, I kind of coming back to the podcast pretty humble that uh, I even have an opportunity to share what God's taught me and to hope that it's encouraging to other people. What about you guys? Uh, I, I mean, I echo that sentiment. Um, it's a... Uh, there's a, a plethora of options for people. I mean, I feel like um, with the amount of podcasts that are being produced and the diversity of them today, um, that if you are an HVAC technician between the age of 22 and 24 and you're <laughs> single, you'll be able to find a theology show for you. Um, so it, it kind of got to the point of like, well, what what in the world could I add um, to the world of you know, Christian podcasting that that isn't already out there and uh, I know I don't feel this but I know this to be a fact there are much wiser um, more intelligent more experienced people um, than I am to, to add a voice to those kinds of big topics um, so as a as a pastor um, I kind of thought to myself if this was ever going to be something I was going to do again um, it would be to try to bring those kinds of conversations into kitchens and uh, subway stations and um, uh, at, at the workout room for the people uh, that God has given me to shepherd and to teach and to care for, um, which is kind of the, the idea behind this, right? What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I think when this podcast was first birthed, Kyle and I were serving together on staff at the same church, and we kind of had this idea of... Uh, you know, delineating between milk and meat. And it was just saying, what if we 
took it to the next level? What if we bridged the gap between the ivory tower and the pew and went into maybe some deeper subjects that we're not going to go into on Sunday mornings? And we were trying to drum up a way. And this was really in the nascent stages of podcasts. The space was not nearly crowded at the time. And so we just thought, like, what if for the five people in our congregation that would care to know more about the Apostles' Creed or whatever, we started this podcast thing. And then much to our chagrin, uh, I think after we released it, it was like trending on iTunes and it was like new and noteworthy. <laughs> and I called Kyle because I said, crap, now we have to wear pants. You know, it started to feel like a production. And at that point, I started to feel kind of feel like a talking head mm-hmm. and not a pastor of individual faces and stories. And so it grew and God blessed it. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. That just wasn't the impetus of why I joined it. Uh, I, I think why I joined it and why I want to do it again is to uh, seize a convenient medium to equip our church members in the margins of their life while they're washing dishes, taking a walk, commuting to work without asking them, come in for another night of the week, say no to your family, your kids. And uh, what's a way that you can be spiritually formed in uh in the margins mm-hmm. and, and create some capacity for it. And uh, I, I think it is that again uh, for me. And I think that's the impetus for all of us kind of putting our hands in on this and saying, let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, that brings us right into the question we've marked out for this first episode. Have you ever wondered if God cares what you eat for lunch? Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing the question really is, does God care about the minutia of our lives? Whether I have a ham cheese sandwich or a turkey and mayo sandwich, if I go to McDonald's or Wendy's, does God care? Not just what I have for lunch. I'm, I, I think we're talking about the whole gamut of things. Uh, what color socks I wear or what route I take to work or if I take a walk or go for a run. Do these seemingly insignificant acts and choices that I make on a daily basis have any bearing on God, his will, his pleasure for me in my life? Uh, I'm I'm double clicking and then triple clicking on your question, but that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And so uh, does he? Well, what do you, before we ask, answer the question or try to answer the question, what do you think is at the core of uh, that concern, you know, so when when I'm when I'm faced with decisions or choices that may seem insignificant to me, and uh, why would I think that they were significant to God, or that in some way that the choices that I would make would affect Him? Like what what's what's driving that? Well, to me, I think it's it's kind of like the uh, proverbial question of of how many angels fit on the head of a pen. Hmm. You know, I've heard Carl Truman make the point that. To us, that seems like a pretty ridiculous question, but it actually hits on, you know, really important issues like where does the spiritual world and the physical world connect? And how does a transcendent God who is seated in the heavens far above us, totally different and separate, how does he intersect with the normal everyday concerns of life on earth? And, uh, you know, to me, I see the relevance immediately that if God cares about the minutia, if he's involved in the minutia, then it imparts some meaning to the minutia, that there are no throwaway decisions, but every decision I make has an impact on the world. And, and, you know, because of that, I ought to bring it under the authority of God who deserves all my attention and all my praise. And so I want to glorify him in the decisions I make. Well, we can wrap it up there. Yeah, that was great. That was awesome, man. Golly. So, so let me ask this for, for clarification. Uh, I'm thinking along the lines of the movie, The Butterfly Effect. Do you remember? 
Um, oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So no. he keeps going Wrong back track. to these. That's not what we're talking about. No, no. We could ask it differently. Does God care what I have for lunch? Does God care what route I take to work? Mm. Or uh, a question I think that's really pertinent to you after uh, adopting a baby girl is, uh, what does the doctrine of the Trinity have to do with changing diapers? Mm -hmm. That we have this bar in our mind, I think, that we maybe say God cares about or God doesn't care about. You know, The things that we pray about and ask help for are things that are important to us or that we want God's input on. And there are 50 million decisions I make on a daily basis that I don't pray about, that I don't really think that God really cares about. And what is the danger of having that? Is there a danger first and foremost of having those separate worlds uh, where the things of God and the things of the earth? <laughs> and is there a way that the two touch like the angels on the head of the pen um, that I, I don't need to be bound to the butterfly effect. What is God's will for me? McDonald's or Burger King? Am I going to miss a divine appointment? But so much to say, like, does eating a good sandwich for lunch bring God glory? Can something that insignificant be redeemed and and prosper my joy and, and bring the Father's heart pleasure? Uh, does God care what I have for lunch? Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Um, does he care how many hairs you have on your head or in some people's in, you know, situations not. Um, I've always wondered if that, if that verse gets less encouraging for people as they bald. <laughs> <laughs> I found like, that for so, most of the people though, like it like transfers from the top of the head to chin and cheeks. And then they usually fair. have an amazing beard. So I would just flip it. That's like he, kn he knows so the, all the head. It's the, still part of your head. So right, it still counts. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So if, if he, if, if he knows uh, and can count every single hair on your head, um, is that just a this this raw, cold statement of God's omniscience, or is it trying to express to us that God cares so much for us that He actually cares more than the things that we could care less about about us? You're stacking the question, so just go ahead and say it. I feel yeah. like you gave us the answer. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does. Like, he he absolutely he has. Not only does he have the capacity to care. Um, yeah. For things that we couldn't even be, begin to think we could care about with that level of, of affection. Um, but he does and he wants to. Yeah, uh, that's so good. It's, it's not about his, that verse isn't about his ability, it's yeah. about his affection. Right, right. <laughs> well, and then you think too, when, you know, when Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is, he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And, uh, you know, that's kind of an all encompassing love. Uh, Speaking to each aspect of our our human our humanity, uh, the different divisions of our our composite makeup, and uh, you know we we often say, hey, I, you know, I want to give God everything, and I think if you if you mean that, if you want to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, uh, then that does mean that you allow each decision you make to fall under that rubric, that whether or not you pray about the choice between McDonald's or Burger King. Uh, you should try to make those sorts of decisions under the rubric of honoring God, of, of mm. expressing your love to him. And mm. uh, that would be, you know, how I would encourage people to think about it, that it's not that you're going to, you know, make a wrong decision and therefore find yourself under the judgment of God necessarily. I mean, I don't know that he cares that extensively about McDonald's or Burger King. But I do think that in our personal experience of Christian devotion, there is a way to make decisions as an outflow 
of our inner disposition towards the Lord. Yeah, man. Hmm. So decision-making is an act of worship. Yeah. I, you know, I, let me, let me tip my hand. This was my question and I want to make sure we stay on it because it's a question that's important to me. I was recently asked if you could have one legacy for your ministry, one message, you know, John Piper is, you know, the glory of God and his splendor to the nations. You know, if you could have one legacy to teach your church and hand off to them, what would it be? And I thought about that for like a couple of days. And I told Ash, I think for me, it would be obedience is closer than you think. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Obedience is closer than you think. I, I, I will eventually when I'm not lazy, write a post I've been meaning to, and I have it outlined in my head and I want to uh, write a post with two families kind of side by side where both wives uh, check out of work and they go to the grocery store to pick up a rotisserie chicken to feed their family. Uh, two daughters are up at 8.30 before, you know, after their bedtime because they're doing their science homework. Two dads uh, wake up early on Saturday morning, put gas in their mower, and they're about to cut the grass. Uh, one family loves Jesus and one doesn't. So what's the difference when, by and large, most of the things they do on a daily basis look identical? What's the difference? And my answer to that is it's the attitude and the trajectory of their heart. It's one that's pointed to God that oftentimes obedience to God is rarely something extra you need to engage in, though it can be. It's, It's redeeming the mundane and the trivial and the minutia of your lives, like eating a good sandwich at lunch to and for the glory of God. It's not, um, and Brad, you touched on this earlier. We, we, whether we know it or not, we're all philosophers and we have this divvy. We've divided the world into the sacred things, the, the holy things, the religious things, the, you know, the, the, the priest and the vestments and the cathedrals and the uh, choir singing. And then the, the secular things, the music I listen to in my car, uh, you know, there's, there's holy food like bread and wine and there's secular food like ham and cheese. We've kind of divvied the world and we live between two. Uh, but I feel like we live 99% of our life in the quote unquote secular when we're supposed to as Christians live a hundred percent of our life in the sacred. Yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, that's kind of what earlier, you know, talking about how does a transcendent God interact with the physical world? Well, uh, Jesus, yeah. you know, God taking on human flesh and uh, not so much deifying human existence, but certainly dignifying it. I mean, mm. you know, he, he everywhere he went, he walked and uh, he talked with his friends. He, he ate, he reclined at table, he had his feet washed. I mean, the mundane things of human experience that for thousands of years had been taken for granted, all of a sudden get this extra thing added on to them so that washing feet is not just the task of the lowliest servant in the house. It's an expression of the kind of other centered Christian devotion that we're supposed to develop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I think that's it. It's that for everything. I mean, I remember man, when you, when you first have a baby, you have to develop all these new habits, changing diapers being one of them. And, uh, you know, most dads, I think the stereotype is when you get a particularly bad diaper, you hand the baby off to mom and you say, you do it. But there is a way of saying that, wait, I'm a new father and I have a new responsibility in my house. I'm going to take up that mantle and change my daughter's diaper. And even something as, you know, demeaning as changing the dirty diaper of another human being, 
becomes something that we can render to God as an act of praise, you know, and, and praying over our kids when we're changing their diaper, you know, becomes one of those things that's dignified. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm in that stage right now with uh, almost nine month old. Um, one of her first, uh, everybody has this story, right? But one of the first diaper changes we had, um, she just sprayed me, um, (laughs) with, uh, you know, poop and (laughs) it was, uh, it was really embarrassing. I was wondering. Thanks for clearing Uh, that up. Yeah. 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 Uh, my wife came in the room. Um, it was like all over the wall, all over me (laughs) on the carpet, uh, and uh, I was so embarrassed. Uh, we, we, we cleaned it up, of course. And uh, that, that kind of like you scarred me. I had this caution going forward. But you get into the groove of things, right? And it, and it just becomes this routine. It becomes mundane. It becomes something you have to do. And uh, I got to that point when she was about four or five months old. And I had to go change her dirty diaper. Um, and so I go in and... Uh, I was just really convicted, um, asking myself, like, man, I, I can't wait till she gets out of this phase where I don't have to do this anymore because it's it's, t- it's tasking, it's taking away time. I don't like being around poop. And uh, the Lord really convicted me and uh, said, do you not see this as an act of worship, one that communicates truth to me and honors and glorifies me? Um, the Trinity... At the core of the Trinity is a holy, incomprehensible love. Mm. It's a love that pours out, a love that receives, and it's a love that ultimately led to creation, us, right, and redemption. Um, and First John says that uh, we love because he first loved us. Not that we love him because he first loved us, but we love, period. The only reason we can love art, spouses, family, children— is because God is love and first loved. Um, and so in that moment of uh, just cleaning up a diaper, uh, the lesson I learned was uh, welcome uh, to this eternal outpouring of service that is motivated by love and doesn't expect anything in return. Mm. Um, she didn't pop up and say, thanks, Dad. Mm. Um, and in fact, she did it again two hours later. And just does not seem to, you know, and, and, it, and it's just, uh, it, it was just, it was an eye-opening experience to me that, that in that moment, these really big concepts of uh, omnibenevolence yeah. and the eternality of God and his holy otherness and his love um, can be found when you're changing the diaper of mm. a little girl, right? Yeah. Um, and and uh, in one day, uh, the hope is she'll turn around and thank me. <laughs> But I mean, how, how often did, spiritually speaking, um, the Father, through His Spirit, change our diapers uh, without, mm. us ever, um, without us ever being grateful or even having the capacity to, to, to want to thank Him? You know, if I'm not mistaken, Kyle, you guys are in the Gospel of John right now, yeah? Yeah. And Brad, you, you kind of just said uh, the bridging of the sacred and the secular God's yeah. world and his word is Jesus, you know, the touch point of heaven and earth. And so, uh, my question to you, Kyle would be, how does Jesus identify himself in the I am statements of John? Yeah. I mean, I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the bread. I am the good shepherd. Bread, I am the, the a door, shepherd, right? a door. 
These mundane, very trivial things that we use and encounter on a daily basis that look at the flowers of the field. That is my resplendent glory. Look at how I take care of the birds. He's using the things that we walk by and don't give two thoughts about and that we would never rope into the realm of spiritual truths. And I I like what Jonathan Edwards used to say about um, learning the language of heaven. (laughs) that God is speaking through his world. If the heavens declare the glory of God, then they're saying something to us. You just need to have ears to hear and only the spirit can give that to you. But he has this line where he says, when the spirit gives you ears to hear and eyes to see, you can sit down and stare at a tree by a stream of water and go, that tree is teaching me about righteousness. That a righteous person stands tall. It doesn't wave. It's not shaken. It bears fruit in its season. And I think that, We've, again, divvied this world. They're so far apart. The realm of theology and the realm of my to-do list have nothing. What do they have to do with one another? And most of the time we go, I don't know, nothing. But I was reading this morning in my quiet time in Hebrews 13, where he says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Well, that sounds like a good advice. So what groundings does he put it in? For he has said, this is Jesus, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love that he says you should learn to be content yeah. and and your grounding for that is Christ's omnipresence, yeah. your union with him, that he will persevere you to the end. And that will help you be content when your friend gets a new car or gets the job that you wanted, or they're going on a vacation. You know what I mean? That they're not these separate realms that I, I want myself and believers to live in living color. Uh, <laughs> where God's world and his word are intertwined because the reality is, gosh, when you look at the imperatives of the new Testament, even take Paul and Ephesians, I mean, there are things like, you know, get rid of sinful anger, stop stealing, work with your hands and, and be generous, be kind to one another. Don't be sexually immoral. Uh, wives submit your husbands, husbands, love your wives, kids, obey your parents, uh, work hard and listen to those over you. And the reality is that it's not that crazy. Those are very ordinary things. Yeah. And I've been saying recently that I want to believe that a husband picking up a wet towel off the floor sends ripples into eternity. I want to believe that God is using the smallest acts of obedience, which are closer than you think. It's it, You've discounted them because they're not martyrdom or winning your whole mm-hmm. branch at work to Christ, you know, that you've discounted the spiritual value of picking up your wet towel as a way to love your wife as Christ loved the church and how that reverberates in her heart and how she'll pour that into the hearts of your kids. Um, I'm, I'm babbling. Someone good save babble. me. No, that's, I think that's all good. And I think as we're coming to the, uh, to the close to wrap it up, Say, say a person knows, hey, I've not been living my life that way. Uh, I've, I've kind of been overlooking some of the things in my life and, and just discounting them as mundane. What would you say is the first thing somebody ought to do then? Like, how do you get real practical on it? I think the first thing you need to do is uh, to adopt that perspective that we've been talking about, um, that this uh, two spheres of our lives, the sacred and the ordinary, the sacred or the secular, um, it's not the way that God intended things to be. He walked yeah. in the cool of the day of the garden. Um, mm. The incarnation proves uh, that God loves his very good creation, uh, and he's gone to incredible lengths to redeem it. Um, every square inch of it is his, uh, and, he, and he loves it. So um, 
coming from that kind of a perspective where you collapse those two things in on each other, not that we're trying to become, you know, everything is God and this kind of Eastern philosophy, but to <laughs> recognize um, that, that there is meaning and value and purpose in the things that God, uh, that, that you do throughout the day and that he cares about the things that you're doing uh, changes. Um, it, for me, it changes worship as being an event that occurs on a day during a specific hour to your life period, end of discussion. Yeah. And so now you begin to look around uh, and, and, and you look at the, the ordinary things of uh, tasks and to-do lists and, and work as potentials for bringing glory and honor to God through your life and simple obedience. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. So start with sort of getting that reorientation to everything does matter. I'd say second, you know, a person really ought to ask God to help them follow through on it. You know, because it's one thing to say, well, hey, there's some dignity in this, but then it's another thing to actually follow through with it and do what Dave is saying and pick your towel up off the floor and uh, be a man, you know, taking the responsibility that God's given you and loving your wife well. And uh, so asking God to help you do that, I think, is going to go a long way. Dave, you want to add anything? Yeah, I mean, I I know I'm going to sound so wishy-washy here, so I hope you guys know that I have a thick biblical backbone, but I want to say that we are living in a large story a story that begins with in the beginning and ends with it is finished, you know? And and sometimes I need to reorient myself, like I was saying, by setting the very normal things I'm doing in the larger story and sometimes kind of getting into like a imaginative, uh, Eugene Peterson talks about the biblical imagination, just evoking that. So sometimes when I have to do something trivial, like cutting the grass, I tell myself, I'm not cutting the grass, I'm fighting back the curse. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I have, I have to reframe what I'm doing just to say like, this has eternal significance and God yeah. knows what this is. And I love for 30 years, you know, obviously didn't start as a baby, but for the majority of Jesus life, he spent more time as a carpenter than a prophet, priest and King. Yeah. And I just don't imagine that he built shoddy tables. I don't yeah. think people have, like Jesus, what's your return policy? Cause this chair keeps wobbling. I think he did it excellently. He worked quietly with his hands. He was honest and he bared fruitfulness to God that, that, this way of seeing the world as undivided changes your vocation. It changes your relationships. It changes your recreation. It changes your eating habits. It, it, uh, and for some, I realize I, they could navel gaze and start nitpicking. Is this worship? Is this idolatry? I think you'd be missing the point. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I think we're invited into a larger story. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, finding opportunities to flesh that out and remind ourselves. Yeah, Dave, that's good. Well, we want to thank you for being with us on this first episode back to the So What podcast. Uh, We're kicking off a series today, Have You Ever Wondered? And when we come back together next time, we're going to ask the question, Have you ever wondered how to share the gospel with somebody who just doesn't care about God? We'll see you then.